Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kissing. And this is a show for you if you want honest conversations with fascinating people. Our brilliant guest today is a conservative YouTuber, Maya Tusi. Welcome to Trigonometry. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you on the show, man. You've been doing some great work in the last few weeks mm. uh, and we're delighted to have you on. But for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do, just give us a, a background. You've obviously got an interesting backstory um, as well. Tell us who are you, how are you, where you are, what has been the journey that brings you to this very uncomfortable chair, right? <laughs> yeah. It is quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we but, do that on purpose. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, usually people say conservative YouTuber because it's easier, obviously, to say that. Uh, but uh, um, it's, it's longer. My definition is I'm more of a classical liberal conservative YouTuber or libertarian leaning conservative. It's very long. Complicated because I think it goes back to my background. So I was actually, for those who don't know, I was born in Iran. Mm. I came here as a kid. My mother was a political refugee. Uh, came to the West, obviously, to have freedom. And uh, I grew up on a council state in Lewisham. Uh, kind of like a typical working class London life. And, uh, so you downgraded from being in, in Iran. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I, you went I, down. I had a relatively middle class family <laughs> in Iran. And then, yeah, and yeah, that was, that was the first culture shock. The yeah. second shock was the fact that I came here. I thought people in the West would be very proactive, positive, you know, because they have more freedom. It, the area I was living in, in Southeast London, everybody was grumpy. Everybody was saying, this is the worst country ever. Uh, they were just unhappy. And I was like, well, this is not working. It is something wrong. Because, you know, I was seeing the good things and didn't think of it as a perfect thing. But, you know, things were going well. At least we had, we were free to leave the house without, you know, being worried about the police. That was like before the lockdown. Are you sure this is Lewisham, Maya? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, lo lockdown has brought back some nostalgia. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was actually on the tube earlier. Uh, everybody has to wear masks. Mm. And, uh, and But people are just having their masks like hanging around their neck. Mm. And then if they see an inspector, they put it back on. It's just like in Iran because headscarves are mandatory. So women just like leave them hanging. When they see a police officer, they just put them back on. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. um, but yeah, so obviously I came here, uh, went to university, studied finance. And uh, then I realized I don't want to work in finance. It's too boring. Um, so worked in parliament. Then I realized I don't actually want to work in poli politics because it's also boring and the money is terrible. <laughs> mm. But I was political because of my background. So um, then I just had normal jobs. I did it by working in a pizza shop and everything. Then I started YouTube as a hobby. And uh, this was the moment when uh, the Iranian regime decided to ban me from entering Iran because apparently I am now an MI6 Tory agent. If you didn't know, so if I go, yeah. you're not being very covert yeah. about it. Mate. <laughs> yeah. You're putting your shit on YouTube and everyone's watching it. But the new training we've got is. Double bluff. It's pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but we've had some budget cuts in MI5. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, <laughs> so uh, they banned me. So I, I got angry. So I went on YouTube and Facebook, made videos and started ranting. And yeah. my friends were like, just make more videos. So I made videos and then Brexit happened. And then that's when I peaked. And now that's where I am. <laughs> and you peaked because you, you, you were pro-Brexit. Yes. So obviously, um, after the 2016 referendum, I, I campaigned for vote leave. And we thought, that's it. Victory. Done. Let's move on. But then two years later, we're still stuck. So this is around 2018, 2019, or the end of 2018, when that's when I started doing the YouTube videos again because of Brexit and how Theresa May was a terrible manager uh, as a leader. And that's when a lot of my audience were created because they were sick and tired of the mainstream media. They didn't get proper information or update on Brexit because uh, they were just repeating the same things. So I was trying to give them some more information about like what's actually happening. And uh, what I've always been doing with my channel is I'm always open and honest about my leanings um, so that I don't pretend to be completely impartial. 
but I always try my best to say I'm being objective. These are the facts. This is my opinion on these facts, but you decide for yourself. Do your own research, whatever you want to do. So I think that's what people like. So. And why is it that you have these sort of conservative leanings? Is, was there a specific moment or is it kind of an evolutionary thing? Why are you yeah. so evil? Well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hate poor people. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. Come on. No, no, no it's, come on. It's not evil. It's problematic. That's what you it's want. Problematic. Yeah. I, I love that word. Problematic. Yeah. 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 Everything constantly says it's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. No, That's it's, true. It's, um, I think it's uh, for a lot of people I know, especially younger conservative-leaning people. Yeah. Usually, you meet some people who are who were left-wing or born into a socialist family, and they had an awakening, a red pill moment, or mm. uh, some people just born into a conservative family. For me, it's kind of neither. It, it's uh, it was gradual, mm. but then I deep down I realized it's just it was always in me, genetically and also upbringing and everything. Um, I'm culturally conservative. Uh, so when people ask, well, are you left or right? Because it's quite vague. I would say cu culturally I'm conservative. So I believe in flags, border, family. Um, economically, that's when my, my, my strength is. I'm free market capitalist. I, I basically believe in almost no control. Uh, you know, you could, I could compromise on a very, very tiny safety net to make sure that people are still protected. And socially, I'm, I'm a libertarian. So I, I believe you should be able to do whatever you want as long as you don't harm anybody else. Um, and I think it's just been always in me. And I think because of my upbringing in Iran, um, we were told you're not allowed to do certain things. So you just want to be free. I think that's how it was created. And do you think we take it, we don't, how can I put it, appreciate freedom in this country? Yeah, we take it for granted massively. It's, it's a cliche. We've always been talking about this for years and decades and everybody, intellectuals from left and right. Um, and we you know we could always talk about like 1984, the book and everything. But it is reality because... Um, also, not only that people are not grateful for the freedoms they have, but they're also not interested in politics. But that could be a good thing. So in the West, when things are relatively well in a society, things are generally good. You're safe, you have a job, you have family. Um, people aren't interested in politics. They also don't go out to vote properly. Whereas in, in countries like you know, Iran or other countries that or kind of like Russia, when they have elections, people even know that those, those votes don't really count. They still queue for hours to mm. vote, uh, even though they know it's rigged. But it's because, you know, they, that's the value that they, they, they want. And uh, but in the West, yeah, we take it for granted. And I think if we're not careful, I mean, I'm not one of those pessimistic people, but over the next few decades, not just yet, especially with the woke stuff, right now is a joke. But eventually it could get serious and, you know, we could shoot ourselves in the foot. It's a really interesting point you make about appreciating the opportunity. And I suspect it's probably a symbol of how successful the West has been mm -hmm. in creating a stable society. Because mm. you, you talk about Russia and Iran and, and all of these uh, places. Glorious nations. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Fantastic places to live. Uh, uh, unless you have the wrong opinion. Um, but... Um, uh, you know, in those places, the outcome of an election mm -hmm. has the potential to radically transform society. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, if you have one person, two candidates, one of them will create a society that looks nothing like the other one, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why people feel so strongly and passionately about the right to vote. In this country, vote Labour or Tory, yeah. it almost feels like change. it doesn't, nothing, nothing will change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably a big part of why people mm -hmm. can become quite apathetic is it's a measure of how successful we've been, isn't it? Yeah, and this is the problem. I've even struggled with this because on the one hand, so the British democracy is not full democracy. That's the whole point of the system. The constitutional monarchy, the head of state that we have is, is there to keep everything stable. It's there to have the Tories and Labour be centre-left and centre-right, basically boring. Not much will change regardless of how you vote. So that's the objective, which is fine. But I have a problem with that because then you create 
an establishment but is very complacent, they make the wrong decisions. And ideally, you want a more radical kind of radical options, but then that's also kind of drastic because you know you could eventually technically vote for a communist or like Corbyn or whatever. It is a big bit of a risk, but I feel like I'm one of those. My my politics, if I my my ideology is I'm a humanite. I do believe in and trust humans, even if they make mistakes. They kind of have to make the mistake to realize what it is. Um, so I think I'm more than I prefer to have radical options than just complacency. And I mean, there was a radical option at one point in the last general election, which was a Brexit party, wasn't there? Which obviously is now defunct. <coughs> but at the time, it was a radical option for a lot, particularly for working class people who felt disenfranchised. Yeah, I mean, you would say you could say the Brexit party was the most radical option, for example, but only in a sense that it was more of a wave, hmm. not policy wise. Not in terms of policies. It was it was the whole kind of anti-establishment sort of mentality. And so, you know, it's not necessarily that radical in that sense. But as we just said, it's because when the political system becomes so centralized and complacent and they all look the same, sound the same, walk the same. If someone, something like the Brexit Party comes up, for the British culture, that's like radical. The Brexit Party for the rest of the world in Europe, that's like tiny and like you know, moderate and like very nice. Mm. They didn't say anything too bad. They didn't say anything that crazy. And well, the, one of the controversial policies was to scrap HS2. I believe in. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And one of the interesting things to me, you talk about, you know, you believe in borders. You be, so you basically agree with the people who created Chop and Chaz. They, they, <laughs> they seem to have found the new belief in borders all of a sudden, right? Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it always boggles my mind that people think that's like a controversial idea because yeah. actually a lot of first generation immigrants like us who, who came here under the existing legal system don't support people who come here illegally or yep. very large numbers because we recognize that, you know, people need to come here and they need to integrate, yep. they need to become part of society, they need to learn the language. And when you get a mass wave of immigration, that sometimes prevents that from happening. And it's not a criticism of those people mm. or, or a rejection of them. It's just a recognizing human reality, isn't it? Yeah. And then we get called that we're taking away the ladder that we use. It's, mm. it's not the case. It's uh, in reality, the way I see politics, um, I know people use that example, Margaret Thatcher saying, uh, like economics, like uh, fiscal conservatism is basically uh, good housekeeping. But politics, I always also see it just like how you see your personal life, just life in general on a basic level. You have a home and the house has a door and walls and ceiling. That's your country as well. That's, that's your tribe because people are tribal and tribe starts from home and then your neighborhood and then your social circle, friends and then your city, and then your country, and then your planet. That's just how it is. Um, and when we say, for example, first-generation migra migrants, when they are, or even second-generation, when they talk about borders, people on the left say, well, that means you're now fascist, or you're basically you're pandering to the people who hate you secretly. But no one said close down the borders. Um, this is why you're going to say, like, Chaz and all these like lefties who are being exposed because the hypocrisy is that... Um, well, two days ago, they were saying that uh, both in America, Trump, and in the UK, uh, we've had police funding in the budget. How dare you? The crime's going up. And then two minutes later, they said, defund the police. <laughs> Pick a side, guys. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation. Yeah. And why do you think the term patriotic has become such a dirty word for, mm. particularly people on the left? Because, you know, we, we, I was born here, you came here, so did Constantine. It's a great country. Yeah. I have a lot, majority of the countries, it's one of the best. Why is it bad to be proud to be British? It is a very, it, it, I know most countries in the West are having this problem, but it's very specifically a British problem. Um, because in America, if you ignore the last four years, 
of Trump. Because um, even, even right now, even Democrats are patriotic. They use the flag and everything. Um, putting aside Germany, because that's a very exceptional case. <laughs> because of what even in France and all the countries, the Netherlands, they are very patriotic. Yeah. They're, they're also very liberal. And they're very, obviously, like in a Europhile, but they are very patriotic. It's a very British problem because of the culture, because uh, the Brits, since the days of Anglo-Saxons, and then obviously you had the kings in England and then the British Empire, the whole concept of the Britishness or the, the Englishness at the time was simply to just get out there, explore the world, which was to expand. And then obviously the empire came and then trade across the world. So, And then now the Commonwealth, which is the same thing. It, they jump to the next step. Mm. Like, forget about just patriotism for the pure country. Not saying to ignore it, but we could now just be internationalist. And then now that that's all over, uh, a lot of people struggle to defend British values. So if you like ask a generic politico, you know, usually you get it from like Lib Dems or Labour, what's British and they say, oh, like tolerance. What on earth is tolerance? Like, you know, I, I don't, firstly, I, people who think that tolerance is a good idea over like acceptance, that's bad. I mean, firstly, it's good. Like, I think, like it should be there because you know, if if you say something like you know idiotic that I don't like, I like, like you pointed I, at me. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I should tolerate it. I, won't, I don't have to accept it. But that's yeah. you know, your, it's your free speech. Mm. It's also my right to just tolerate you, not to be bad against you because that's yeah. what that's what you believe in. Tolerance is fine, but when people use it as a triumph over acceptance, because um, I think what they mean is. We're welcoming and accepting, but they say tolerance. Um, so yeah, British has had struggled in terms of defending the values that we have. And uh, that's why even I sometimes struggle. So I always try to differentiate between patriotism and nationalism, and also globalism and internationalism. Mm -hmm. uh, so in my view, international means that obviously you, you still believe in free trade and you know, cooperating with your allies, but globalism in the sense that you believe in international bodies and then, you know, like the United States of Europe running your country and other countries. Yeah, I'm against that. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's about working together with other nations yeah. as opposed to eroding national identity exactly. and national yeah. sovereignty. Yeah, never surrender. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. But it's interesting. And I, I'm curious to ask you this question because I remember a couple of years ago uh, making a very similar point to a comedian, may even have been uh, a, a, a friend of mine. And I, I remember saying to him, well, I think it's important that we recognize that Britain has a certain set of values and like, you know, there's such a thing as British values and we yeah. must kind of, and he was like, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as British values. And, and, and I'm going like, how can this, I don't, you can't survive it as, as a civilization if you don't have any sense of what your values are, can you? No, you, you do need to be self-aware. Um, and it's not, I mean, we did criticize the whole, the, the, struggle with the British values that a lot of people have. To be fair, they, people in France and other countries also have that struggle. Like, you know, I was talking to an Italian friend who's thinking that their values are just basically uh, getting rid of the Roman Empire. I was like, well, did you do it? Uh, and, and also like, you know, food. Like, I don't think food is your value. But, you know, oh, it definitely is, man. <laughs> I mean, well, in terms of, yeah, the, the way you deal with it and it's language and everything. But I think when it comes to British values, it's a lot, it should be a lot easier to defend or explain what they are because they are out there. So, you know, it's more visible, not visible in that sense, but like you have the modern structure of democracy uh, came from here. The obviously values of free trade came from here uh, because they had to get out there. As I said, they had to go explore. And uh, the, the modern version of justice in terms of the law and order came from here. And uh, there's a lot of, I mean, and you could then talk about all the uh, trivial stuff. And like, you know, we were talking about food earlier, with, like Italy, but, you know, Having language, humor, 
like all the things that you know how you are with your neighbors attitude uh, the whole self-replicating stuff the whole kind of be polite even if you want to be like in a very direct and say i hate you and i keep looking at you <laughs> i hate you <laughs> um uh, but you know just be more civil and be more civilized it, it, these are values yeah. and why do you think that we can't embrace and love the fact that we're british and it's seen as a dirty word, as a dirty thing in this country We've been brainwashed with using our education system for decades. Um, the only history that we actually learn in this country, apart from like the ancient times, is just about the Greeks and the Romans and a couple of things. But no one, first, no one talks about the Persian Empire, the first empire. No. Um, it's very selective the way history is, uh, is taught. Then they skip from the ancient times. They skip most of it, and they come closer to basically after the like 1500s, 1600s, and then the empire. And then so what all you see and all you're taught is the bad things that come across as bad. Like, you know, oh yeah, it's the moment when the West became powerful. So the West in history books have always been seen as superior. And now we have to feel guilty about it because it's now our fault. Uh, they forget about something, but there was a time when the Europe and Western Europe was just full of like villages and people were just eating with their hands. And it was the Middle East and East that you know, had civilization and, you know, Medicine, architecture, yeah. mathematics, yeah. all invented by those Muslim empires that, that yeah. occupied that that space. But you're right; we don't we don't ever get taught about it. I'm not sure if they're having a conversation about slavery in the Muslim mm. world at the moment because they, <laughs> they had that. a little bit of that. Um, I've heard. Um, so we we seem to be taking a very one sided approach to, mm. to history, is what you're saying, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, speaking of of all of that stuff in history, you've you've done some uh, reporting, if you like, because what you've really tried to do, I think, more recently is to uh, look at what's actually happening on the ground and, and present. Because I think you're right, a lot of people don't trust the mainstream media anymore. Uh, and we've seen it over the last couple of weeks, obviously it was laughed and uh, mocked to death, the largely peaceful protests, which injured 27 police officers, <laughs> yeah. all of that stuff. So you actually covered the, the BLM protest in London. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so the, firstly, I got there slightly later uh, that both sides were divided. I accidentally ended up on the BLM side. Uh, so I was walking. <laughs> and then we had well, you, you'd fit in, man. You'd yeah. fit in, just visually. But Maya, sorry, just explain uh, yeah. about where, where it was, what city yeah. you were in. And, and so, oh yeah, so essentially uh, there was a massive protest in Westminster in central London, outside okay. Parliament. Uh, this was a day when there was supposed to be a counter-protest against BLM. So the people who were trying to defend the statues. Mm. And that was a coalition of various groups. Uh, so you just had some random people, like, you know, just like ordinary people. And you had some, you know, veteran groups. You had your typical football lads. Uh, you did have a small group of, you know, actual crazies who were just like causing chaos mm. in the morning, but they, they all left. And, uh, but the media only talked about them, saying, you know, that they're all basically far right or whatever. Uh, and then you still had the Black Lives Matter slash Antifa. Um, and even in that group, you still had a lot of random kids, you know, just being dragged there because they thought it was a good cause, obviously. They didn't. They don't know much about the organization. Um, but then primarily, you had massive activists who've been doing this for years. They're used to it. It's like young Jeremy Corbyn, for example. You know, they, they, they love that sort of stuff. But I was there, and uh, the mainstream media were... Even the police were... Very, it, it was very interesting. Um, the police on the BLM side, there was a massive divide. You had your typical standard community support police officers, genuinely. And then you had, on the other side, you had this, like, riot squad. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and again, surprisingly... Oh, unsurprisingly, most of the violence actually came from the other side. Um, I'm not even defending any side right now. I'm just being objective because, you know, the anti-BLM side, let's just say, they did cause some chaos in the beginning. They were randomly attacking the police for some reason. Um, and But 
we, we've seen the pictures, we've seen the videos, also the reports from hospitals. Uh, all the people who got attacked were attacked by the BLM side or Antifa side. Um, and, but it wasn't really reported. Um, so that's what I try to do. Um, and when I try to be objective, sometimes I've angered my own side. Sometimes I criticize my own side or, or the conservative government, for example. Um, but you know, I don't care like, because you know, if you have to tell the truth, you just have to tell the truth. So just to be clear for anyone who may have not followed that necessarily in, in its entirety, what you're saying is you were at the protest yeah. and your opinion is yeah. that most of the violence was instigated by the BLM associated yeah. groups yeah. rather than the, the, because with the pictures that I saw, and look, I don't know what happened, yeah. I wasn't there, but my impression was you had these football hooligan yep. groups mm. who were attacking the police, yeah, in the morning, yeah. throwing stuff at them. Nazi salutes as well. Nazi, salute, Nazi salutes, right, that apparently happened. Well, no, that, that didn't, I mean, firstly, the, I didn't see it, and also the videos that they said these are Nazi salutes, they were just like literal like football fans that do the kind of like this. Mm. And then the, the videos on Twitter that people shared saying these are Nazis. And Gary Lineker, who's in football, he knows exactly what it is. And that's why he got attacked saying, you do know that's not a Nazi salute. Uh, right. But obviously there were people who would do that. I'm not saying there weren't. I mean, I would, there would definitely be some people who would believe in that. And, uh, and I'm not saying that the majority of the Black Lives Matter activists cause violence. They were largely peaceful. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, genuinely it was. I mean, well, peaceful in the sense that they were still causing chaos. They were still shouting. They were still throwing things. Yeah, sure. But yeah, yeah. And... and but the majority of the violence happened from the BLM side. That's, yeah, that's different. Yeah. That's interesting. So why do you think uh, anyone who was reading the newspapers or watching the news would have got a different impression? So some people say the media are purposefully biased. Um, some people would go like with actual conspiracy theories that, you know, oh, they're obviously funded by like, you know, obviously Marxists. Um, I mean, if, if I find evidence, I'll be fine. But I, I would go with the, the fact that they are abs completely out of touch. The, the mainstream media, these organizations, whether it's the BBC or anyone, like even Sky, they are very, very proactive when it comes to diversity of you know, finding staff members who are like in a different skin color or different genders. But the, in terms of the diversity of thought or actual values, they're all the same. They've all gone to Oxbridge. They've all went to the same schools. They've all obviously like, you know, went to private schools and boarding schools. They've all had the same kind of, uh, kind of uh, groups. And they all believe in the same things, which is you know, essentially big government, the control freaks, like <laughs> nanny states. And it, it's, it's difficult to be impartial if everybody in the organization believes in the same thing. And this is why I'm kind of against, actually, the, the concept of um, completely impartial news. I would rather have news outlets who are open about their biases and what they are, and like left, right, up, down, and everything, and people could obviously decide for themselves. You could still have a concept like the BBC, but if they, are, if they become completely dry and just report, very boring, just give out the stats, like fact check or whatever. Um, but obviously no one will watch it because it's not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with it. Mm. Yeah. But, but Maya, don't you also think as well, it's that because our media is very left-leaning, mm -hmm. isn't it sort of career death or suicide to come out and go, well... I don't really agree with mm -hmm. uh, the Black Lives Matter organization, or I don't really agree with the way they conducted themselves, or there were acts of violence and thuggery on this particular side. Yeah, so this is exactly what happens, not just with, with the media, with brands right now, companies. Mm -hmm. uh, the so-called capitalist companies like Netflix and well, Premier League and Sky, um, they seem to be afraid, like the media, that their audience, uh, the audience on this planet or in the West are generally liberal left. That's not the reality. And 
uh, again, it's because we've been brainwashed by the uh, education and the media thinking, for example, the whole country is like London. London is not the UK, firstly. It's not the representative of the UK. Like New York is not representative of America. Uh, but this is all you see. And it's like, you know, when you watch Hollywood movies, like the American movies, the, everything's the same. But when you go to actual America, deep America, people don't look like that. People don't live like that. And it, it is going to backfire. My point is, for example, if Netflix are censoring their own stuff, if, if Sky or Premier League becoming really woke, like the audience of football lads, like it, it, mm. they are going to like lose revenue. They're going to lose their supporters. And uh, it's happened with Gillette last year when they did this woke adverts uh, for their product and they lost a lot of revenue. And ironically, they're supporting Black Lives Matter, whose agenda is to bring down capitalism. So the first people they go after is the same companies. <laughs> so it's weird. And when you were there and you were with the, the protesters, did a lot of them, I imagine a lot of them were just, you know, kids, young yep. people, you know, who wanted to make a difference, yep. all very, very noble, but they didn't really understand what BLM is or their political goals. No, my, I would say, I don't know if I should say it, but my sister, she's 17, and she's currently one of their supporters, like in terms of the cause. Yeah. Um, so this is, the, this is all the other thing. So there is the BLM organization, there's also the movement, and then there's the cause. People forget about the actual, that there are three. Mm. So some people say, I believe the movement. No, no, I don't even believe in the movement because the, the organization, the, the agenda, whether you like it or not, is communist. That's, that's what it is. The movement is about identity politics. Mm. And the cause, anti-racism, well, we should all be anti-racist. I believe in that. That's fine. And I will fight racism if I see case by case, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't believe that there is institutional racism in this country. That's, the, that's what the movement tells you. And uh, yeah, there are a lot of people who, especially young kids who are there, who, you know, that, well, that's what they're fed. And, you know, if, if, a, if a police officer in America is brutal against someone, well, it's definitely because that, per, that police officer is racist. But did you read his mind? Obviously, there are individual racist police officers. But, you know, first you need evidence because it, the data that came out that the police officers in America killed back in 2018, uh, killed nine unarmed black people, but also 19 unarmed white people. So that's just one piece of data. And there was also other data that should to prove that there's a problem with police brutality, not necessarily they're all racist or they have a racist guidelines and they just go after black people. It doesn't It's not true. I think another question that, and I, by the way, I really appreciate the way you've separated the yep. movement, the organization yep. and, and, uh, the, cause, and yes. the cause. I think that's a really good thing. And that makes a lot of sense because everybody supports the cause. Mm -hmm. Everybody supports uh, ending racism or preventing racism from happening. Uh, but I, And I think a lot of people don't want to go down that intellectual route of yeah. finding out what the, the cause and the, the organization. Yeah. But it's not just, to, I, think it's, I think it's more than that. I think I've found myself saying to people, okay, you, you say you support Black Lives Matter and I support being against racism. I completely support that. But he, what, have you had a look at what the organization yeah. actually stands for? And they go, no, send me the link. So I send them the link and then I don't hear back. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of that is if you are given that information yeah. and you ingest it and you are intellectually honest, then you go, well, I, I can't support this. Therefore, <laughs> I no longer support Black Lives Matter. <gasps> and then people and that, don't, don't want to go down that route. It's true. And then you find out you're Russian. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Russian fed information. Exactly. <laughs> people just, I think a lot of people are just terrified. It's also the fault of both sides. I don't know if I should say both sides, but all sides on every political debate because, uh, because humans are tribal 
And it's literally like supporting a football club when it comes to political cause for some reason. Uh, whereas like, you know, for example, Brexit as a topic was supposed to be quite, well, dry and boring. It's the concept of Brexit is supposed to be, who do you want to do your paperwork? The building in Westminster or the building in uh, Brussels, these admins? It's a very bureaucratic thing. But obviously it became more interesting and sexy, so people took sides like football teams. Same thing with this. The problem is both sides, uh, whether you're anti or pro-BLM as an organization, uh, they just shout at each other. So if, if you had someone coming to you pro-BLM saying, can you like, well, prove to me that I'm wrong? Usually you would say, as, a, as an anti-BLM, let's just say that person would say, well, it's because you're all commies. That wouldn't help. Mm. Mm. You know, if you're kind of slightly more civilized and be like, you know, this is this is the fact. Just I'll leave it to you. Like just whatever. And if they come back, then you could shout. <laughs> be like, oh, you're still a comedy idiot. I, I literally gave you the information. Yeah. Um, and th I think this is the problem. But the cause, I mean, even the movement is idiotic. It's like going on the street and say the sky is blue. Well, well done. <laughs> or like I like people like babies. Well, yeah, we all do. Like <laughs> it's, it's well, idiotic. The, the re but the th thing I was going to ask, and it's, it's good that you've explained it. The thing I was going to ask about it is. And it's a question that I haven't heard anyone ask or anyone explain the answer to, is why do you think we're having these protests in this country about something that happened in America? Why are people in Brazil protesting about this? Why are people protesting all around the world about this one incident that happened in the United States? Why, why is it that we do that? It's because, uh, uh, so people think it's as, as lazy as, oh, America does export things to us, but like Halloween and everything, but it's, it's not just that. It's the, uh, the same reason that when, for example, someone like Trump uh, became president, you had massive protests in London. Mm. Uh, whereas if uh, when the President Xi became president in China, he didn't have any protests because, um, so if I were to like put myself in the shoes of the left, they think that they have high standards of the West. They have high expectations from and the West, and this is surprisingly, ironically kind of racist because they're putting Americans and the Brits in the same category. Well, because you look the same and you have the same language, so you are the same. And surprisingly, Americans are very different to Europeans. Mm. And so if, if they look different, Americans, like as a, as a, in terms of the masses, the skin color, and also had different language, I don't think you could, they could have said that. It's because they generally look white and they speak English. They put us in the same category. And every single time there's a debate in America, we get stuck in it as well. And it's not just us, you know, Canada and you know, obviously certain other countries, Scandinavia sometimes. Uh, whereas you're right, if, if something, if people really, it's like extinction rebellion with environment. You know, we are doing really well in this country in terms of, you know, the, being pro-environmental, whether you like it or not, that's what the government's agenda is. They're doing really well. Everything's very clean and green. Uh, there are problems in Asia, <laughs> India and China. Go there. But, you know, they don't do that. And do you think, Maya, that what the BLM protest did is that it exposed that we have weak leadership in this country, particularly with Boris Johnson? Because I didn't see him really make a stand for a long, long time yeah. when everything was kicking off. Yeah, I mean, with, with the short-term problems of like, you know, letting these you know, basically anarchists go around and do whatever they want, absolutely weak leadership. And uh, the Boris's government, the whole cabinet, Downing Street, have been very late to everything recently. Mm. Every decision, been late. Even with the lockdown, took majors to decide if they're gonna do it or not. And then with the schools, like, can you go back to schools? No, we won't. I'm like, okay, <laughs> just decide. <laughs> everything was like this. And uh, I think especially ever since he came back from hospital, he hasn't been himself. Uh, but that's one issue. There's, there has been weak leadership in the West uh, when it comes to tackling these things. But this is the recent one. We've had things like this before. Again, you had the 
anarcho-green people in a, a protest thing before and just did a lot of things. They shut down the city airport in London. Um, but I think that the, the weakness, the biggest weakness we have is intellectual weakness. And uh, again, you can't fix it overnight, but you could use generation over generation uh, to do it. But we can't because the education system is and academia is dominated by the liberal left. Um, and people who are right wing usually either don't want to be teachers, they just want to live their own lives and make money or whatever. Um, and or they get ousted and they get kicked out. See, the thing is, I, I know that as someone who's a conservative, you're coming at mm. it from that kind of angle, yep. right versus left. I actually don't necessarily see it that way. I think what's happened in academia is the far left mm -hmm. have squeezed everyone else out. So yep. it's not a, que a question of the right fighting the left in universities. I think what it's a question of is everyone being... Uh, squeezed out by a crazy fringe that I don't think, you know, we, we have many people from the left on the show, people like Paul Embry, mm -hmm. the, the so socialist, Labour Party, lifetime mm -hmm. member, yeah. etc., who has nothing in common with these people. And I think that's really the issue that people are going to have to confront is it's not in the interest of the left to be represented by these people, is it? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you just made a good point. Yeah, so to clarify, when I talk about the left, I am actually, yes, talking about the hard left. And, and that's the problem. You just point out the problem. Even if I, if someone like me says the left, I'm basically generalizing the, all of them. Right. Um, because the racist. Yes. Yeah, because, yeah. oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm a sidist. Yeah, sidist. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, because the rest of the left, or the center, which I don't believe in center, but like, the, the moderate left, or the liberals, um, yeah, their problem, the, the problem I have with them is just they're all big government control freaks. Uh, but, and, uh, but yeah, the actual hard left, which is a very more intellectual side, um, but also becomes very violent, like in, intellectually violent, is... Uh, what, what, what does that mean, intellectually violent? So they are exactly the opposite of my philosophy, which is, as I said, I'm a humanite. I, I believe in everything, sing, every single thing we should do, every policy, every direction with politics should be towards um, humanity. And not in a sense of compassion. That's the problem we have. People on the left, well, actually, general left, have the platform of compassion and good intentions. They say, because we care about humans, we should take money from that person and give it to someone else. And I'm like, no, no, the values of, basic values of humanity, which is freedom, don't tell people what to do, no coercion, and uh, opportunity, and justice. Just go with those values. And uh, every single thing that we do, every policy should be to, to make sure you're not taking any, anyone's freedom. You, you're making sure that no one's getting harmed by someone else. And just let them be opportunities there to do whatever they want to do. And uh, whereas the, when I said the, they are intellectually violent, is they are es essentially every single uh, idea that they have, ironically, even though it's there to help people, they think they are there to help people, but it's actually very, very anti-human, anti-human instincts. Uh, and that's the problem with the, the Marxism or you know, cultural Marxism, whatever you want to call it, that they, that supposedly they're supposed to be coming up with all these ideas to help humanity, but they become so tribal that they're not defending humans anymore, they are defending their ideology. And Maya, you said that you don't believe in the center. Now, Constantine describes himself as a centrist. Can you explain to him in no uh, 300 words or less why he's wrong? Well, it's, yeah, it's like bisexuals. Just take a side. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's controversial. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's like people who mix tea and coffee together. No, it's, uh, <laughs> no. It, I get the concept of why people see because, as I said, the way I describe myself um, is a bit of a pick and mix sort of thing. Mm. 
So yeah, it's, it's more of a, I, I would change the word centered, pick and mix, because uh, you can't be a Puritan mm. conservative or Puritan liberal or socialist. Um, I don't think they exist. Some, some exist. And, and the, yeah, it's intolerable because, you know, yes, you could be, you know, culturally conservative, but, you know, socially liberal or whatever. So people think that's a center. By a center, I don't mean people who have beliefs that are in the center. I'm talking about like political parties or the agenda. Yeah, it's not an ideology. It's not. It's, no. it's not trying to make the center count doesn't exist. It's, no. it's, it's a black hole. No, I agree with you. Like what, what I mean when I say I'm in the center is that I have some conservative policies exactly. or views. I have some liberal views. Uh, it's just a mixture of the two. And therefore, I don't feel like I'm part of the center right or the center left. It's just, mm. it's just That's a mixture. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to the last episode of Trigonometry. <laughs> 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 but, but we always talk about, uh, you know, going back to racism, that we live in a deeply racist country uh, of course, and, yeah. you know, and it's propagated by people on the left. And, you know, you're somebody who came to this country as, as an immigrant. Yep. You came to this country from Iran. Do you think we have a problem with racism in this country? Do we think this is a racist nation? <laughs> yeah, I, I, had, I had experienced massive racism in Iran. Uh, <laughs> well, not for me, but I've seen other people. Who, yeah, yeah, so... I could play the card, and I hate to play the cards because I don't. I'm just using it just to prove it, prove my point that um, the personal card, because uh, I don't like it when people say, "Well, I experienced this." That means that's basically the reality. Mm. Mm. But uh, from personal perspective, we came here, my family, um, genuinely haven't experienced the racism in that sense. I've, I've experienced racist comments, ironically from the left, people people calling me Uncle Tom or whatever, and uh, whereas I have cousins in Germany who every now and then they get beaten up in alleyways just because they're brown. Just casual, like, you know, they're used to it. It's like a Tuesday. Like, I you was know, walking <laughs> in an alleyway, like, yeah, after the dog, they're, they're fine. They just go home and like, oh, yeah, just got beaten up again. <laughs> yeah, genuinely. It's, it's, so there is, and it is the Germany that is now supposed to be self-hating and progressive. So it still happens. And uh, again, you could use other continents and cultures in Asia, in Africa, North Africa especially. Um, but I don't think you could find anybody who would be able to give you actual evidence, uh, even if, by evidence, I mean like actual like recordings or like, you know, just use their phones to, for example, over a period of a month when they're out there, someone who's not white, to give you, oh, I experienced like 55 examples of racism in that sense, like in a constantly, it doesn't exist, it won't happen. Also by racist society, I'm talking about institutional racism, um, politicians, people in charge, it is absolutely, especially with the British culture, because they were exposed to other cultures because of the empire. Um, they, they, and there was a reason that after the, the Commonwealth was created, they all wanted to come to the UK mm -hmm. from Nigeria and India, despite the problems in the past. Whereas all the other colonies for other countries in Europe, they didn't really want to go to like, you know, like Spain or Portugal. They all stayed in like, you know, obviously South America or whatever. And uh, I think, it, yeah, the, the British culture was, is because it's, as we said, more tolerant and um, just slightly nicer because it's, they have to be polite because they can't be mean and racist to you directly. <laughs> <laughs> so so you could, I can assure you, you won't experience racism as much in this country. That's my point. So I guess what you're saying is there are people who may be racist of course, from yeah. time to time, yeah. but it's not likely that the experience of an ethnic minority person is that day to day they experience this oppressive just no. wall of mistreatment. and Yeah, not just that. The, the, and the, the sort of things that the English, let's just say, the actual English, like the people, you know, go with the English identity, uh, get accused of like racism, you know, and with the Brexit stuff, mm. the UKIP, whatever. 
And I have spoken to a lot of these people, and we're talking about like ordinary people who like you know just get involved with politics or go on the streets or whatever. They get accused of being racist, but in reality, they're tribalist. It's they 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 defend you know uh, Britain and the border and say, oh, well, foreigners are coming in here taking the jobs or whatever. But when you actually talk to them and try to have a slightly semi-intellectual conversation with them, uh, when you sit down, you realize it's not the skin color or anything else. It's it's the whole tribal thing that you know. We need to protect our community. We need to protect our country. Mm. We're not saying don't come in. We just don't want it like, you know, uh, I'm in a village of like 10 people. And then now we have 11 new people because the tribalism that I've experienced, these conversations from like people in Cornwall, people in Lincolnshire, they also hated people coming from London. <laughs> so, they, so it's not That's the skin color. Enough, to yeah. be honest, man. Yeah. So it's, it's not the skin color. They, right. they hate other white British people coming to their communities and like taking their jobs. Uh, so it's not it's, it's, it's tribalism. That's the problem we have in this country. Yeah, but and again, I, whether you are going to be able to eradicate that from human nature, no, I, I don't know that you can. No, that's, that's the thing. When the movement of BLM think that we have to, uh, well, eliminate racism and prejudice, uh, right? It's like saying there shouldn't be any bad. Firstly, there needs to be bad for you to recognize what's good. Mm. <laughs> it's black and white. No pun intended, uh, but uh, but it, it, genuinely, it's uh, you could minimize by creating a society that's more progressive, and that's just use education. And we are doing it already. The progress we've made over the past century, over the past few decades, uh, they don't get it. It's the same with socialists who are anti-capitalists who are saying, "Oh, because we have homeless people, we have poor people." Yeah, but compare it to like a few decades ago, and you know, we're getting there, but everybody's in a rush. They want instant change. And the moment they try to fix it, they're going to create more problems. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very interesting that you say that. I mean, where do you see us culturally? Do you think we've hit a crisis point now between, you know, because you said that we were making great progress and I've seen society over the last few years with the, you know, with the digestion of identity politics become more racialized, become we now like to put people into these wonderful little subgroups and do you think we've hit crisis point yet when it comes to the culture wars? Or do you think it's going to get worse? Um, it's not the peak yet, but doesn't mean that it will get to the peak in terms of it would like literally be like 1984. It could, but it could also go back down, not quickly and not that easily. So the, the two obvious options will either be scenarios. You're either gonna, you could actually get to a point in the next few decades that we will have a 1984 society, a big brother society. This time, ironically, not created by the state of government, but by society itself, the mob mentality. And that's a problem. And this is the issue we have in certain cultures, certain cultures in like the Middle East, like Saudi Arabia. It's not just the fact that the state is authoritarian, but society is authoritarian, mm. like anti-women's rights and everything. But actually, before you go on, yeah. and I really want you to finish that point, I mean, you talk about how it would be the, the people. I mean, the people are going to find some voice, some left-wing authoritarian is going to come along and yeah. going to say, look, in the interest of inclusion and diversity, yeah. people aren't going to be allowed to say what they think anymore. Yeah. And I'm the, I'm the man or the woman or the whatever yep. to make that happen for you. And, and, and if there's a, an electorate that wants that, they'll vote for that. Yes. So this is my point. So you will either, we will either find a way in the next couple of decades, the, the next two generations, basically, uh, to become slightly more sound and fight back. Uh, but things will get semi-bad we might actually have comedy be cancelled, but we'll still have some freedoms. But things like this, mm. people will fight back. Or, yes, I know it's like massive exaggeration. People don't see it because we're so complacent. We've taken everything for granted. We've been in the West for a century. 
been good. We've had freedom, but nothing lasts forever. Mm. Even the Roman Empire didn't last forever. So I'm not saying it to be pessimistic or scaremonger anybody, but we, there could come a time, maybe in a century, maybe a lot less, that the West will be completely changed and will be dictatorial. And then I think you're going to have a situation where people are going to have to just wake up and rise up again. But then hopefully I won't be alive by then. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fight, look at me. <laughs> I don't think any of us are going to be alive at that point. I, I wonder whether you're right and I also wonder whether decades is the right time frame. Well, well, we need to fight now. And that's, that's what I do on my YouTube. And that's what everybody should do. Comedians. Uh, again, brands, companies, there should be basically a new Netflix to fight against Netflix if they want to become woke. Like, they, 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 we should always do this. Mm. Start now. Well, it's interesting. I mean, with comedy, for example, th- there's already talk of like a, a non-woke comedy platform being mm. created and stuff. That will like. be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Probably will be very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's a difficult. For example, you talk about being libertarian. This may be an yep. issue that we should discuss with you as well. Is what what's your take on uh, big tech, the censorship that we see from them, and equally, what's the solution there? Because you know, Twitter uh, is quite clearly biased. It's yep. not an objective platform. On the one hand, on the other hand, they've created this new parlor thing, yep. which I, I've joined okay. just just because everyone's telling me to, <laughs> and. I don't want to be in that parlor world either because it's it's very much the same, but from the other angle. It's just yep. people from the right. And I'm not really that interested in being in an echo chamber. That's the problem. And I've heard it so many times on YouTube. People say, you know, we should we should create a right-wing YouTube uh, <laughs> or like with parlor because the current platforms are biased towards the left. I'm like, well, two wrongs don't make it right. Right. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so as a libertarian, so I, I believe private businesses should do whatever they want to do. But also as consumers, we could criticize them. And then we could leave them, we could join them, we could do whatever we want. Um, I don't believe we, we have, we, people who are worried about monopolies, for example. We haven't had, luckily, my, the, my side of the economic philosophy thought is right on this. It might change, but uh, we haven't had an example in the West or in the world uh, to have a monopoly uh, in any industry, especially long-term monopoly, uh, that has been under a free society. Every monopoly we've had, like back in the 60s and 70s in the West, in America and other places here with oil, uh, and then 80s and onwards with banking, it's always because there was government intervention. And it was always backfiring because government got involved to make sure there's no monopoly, and they actually created monopolies. And now in this country with the energy sector, uh, the government got involved with the Labour Party, and we had like 14 companies, now we have six companies. So. The, the best way to make sure that we don't have a monopoly like Twitter or whatever or Facebook is luckily tech is still set relatively relatively free because the internet is difficult to regulate. Uh, so there was a time when people thought Facebook was it. Like, you know, um, if we're not going to have any new platforms uh, and Facebook could become really boring or Facebook could destroy us and we have nowhere else to go. But then obviously Instagram came. I know it's still linked to Facebook, but like in terms of platforms, and obviously Twitter, YouTube we have, and everything else, and now Parler. Um, I, but you don't I, think Google and YouTube are monopolies in their fields? Well, so it depends how you define monopolies. They are big players. But by monopoly, I'm talking about the, the absolute monopoly, which is like, you know, there's one website. Okay, yeah, yeah. but let me, let me yeah. put it kind of bluntly for you. If yep. YouTube ban you tomorrow, yep. is there a place where you could go mm-hmm. that you would be able to continue to do what you do. I know the answer is 4chan. <laughs> 4chan. <laughs> that would be fun. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I'll, This is my point. 
mm. right, is they yeah. could destroy you in a moment's notice and there's nothing you can do about it. You probably wouldn't even be able to get the information to people out there that it, it's happened in a big way. Yes, well, I, I would go to, uh, what's that new F- fan? Only fans. Only fans. <laughs> Make more money. Get, no. Put your stuff up on Pornhub no. or something. No. Yeah. 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 But no, so, um, so on the one hand, again, as a libertarian, I would say I could create my own website and have a podcast, like a video podcast, and, mm. and take donations or whatever. I'll sell my merchandise. Um, but yes, I will, get, I will get a hit. I will take a hit in terms of revenue. Yeah, 99% hit. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I'm fine with it. Because if, if YouTube wants to kick me out, it's their business. You know? It's like, you know, People who are trying to force uh, bakeries to bake uh, gay cakes, or whatever. I, I, I'm not religious, but you know it's their right if they don't want to do it. Um, and and they could have their own again under the freedom of religion, especially in the West and America as well. So we still have that. So you could also protect that, even though I'm not actually religion <laughs> religious in that sense. But Maya, don't you think they've got, simply got too much power? YouTube is simply too powerful. They're too big. Yeah. So actually, we need somebody to come in and break them up. Otherwise, what we're going to have is well, it, it's it's a glorified monopoly, isn't it? Or am I or am I wrong? It, well, it is it is a it is a monopoly in that sense, obviously, and it's the biggest player. And uh, but the moment you try to get and when you say someone, if by someone <laughs> you mean a government or politician or a bureaucrat, that's never worked in the history of humanity. Uh, again, this is the problem I have uh, with. Uh, different political ideologies because people usually go with the politics of intention rather than outcome. Um, you know, if we go with intention, we all want the same things. We, we want to eliminate poverty. We want you know, everyone to be safe and healthy and you know, well off and no monopolies. Everybody wants the same thing. It's the same thing with the whole BLM stuff. Everybody's anti-racist. Uh, but go with the intention and uh, go with evidence. And unfortunately, it's not a sexy topic to talk about. Uh, like especially with, when it comes to economics, so because you know I have to say because um, I come from the, the like Austrian Austrian school of economics, which is kind of very libertarian and like Hayek, and our side always struggled intellectually to defend or promote our values because mm. it's not sexy. It's just like um, let's let's have this platform free, free transactions. But trust me, it's gonna work. I'm like, well, how long do I have to wait? Well, 10 years, 10 minutes. Whereas the, the, the other side, whereas the Keynesianism or liberal or socialist or whatever, uh, they say, don't worry about the outcome, but this is what we want to do. This is the, the goal. You know, and then no one actually cares about the outcomes. Like, oh, good effort. Mm. It didn't work, but good effort. Right. We still support you. That's the problem. Well, this is where I think I agree with you very strongly, but I also disagree with you very strongly, which is that... Uh, Such a centrist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I disagree with Francis in the sense because... I think you're completely wrong about diagnosing the problem. Because if YouTube were to ban you tomorrow, they, they have the power to destroy people who don't agree with them, and they will True. start to use it, in my opinion, True. on the one hand. On the other hand, I don't think breaking them up is going to make it better. No. Uh, and I don't, and the, real, the real truth is I don't know what would make it better. And, and so this is the, a, quite a dangerous situation because what happens is, as you say, people start going from intention and they start flailing around and trying different things. They start, oh, let's break them up. Let's revoke their publication no. privileges. If, they, if you do that, they'll, they'll sense even more than they already yes. do. Right. So I don't know what the solution is. 
but the problem needs to be addressed. And so we need to look for a solution. Going just like, oh, I'm a libertarian, let them do what they want. I don't oh, think that's going to work. Oh, no. So I didn't, so I didn't say, let's maybe not I misunderstood. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't say, let's not do anything. So what do we do? Yeah, yeah. I didn't say if they kick me out, I'll be fine. Right. Like, you know, I wouldn't, I'll definitely shout and I'll, but the solution has always been there humanity. Humans always, society will have to fight back. Uh, because, you know, we always live on, again, instinct of survival. Mm. And we almost went extinct a couple of times uh, and, you know, since we were like cavemen. So we always find a solution, especially when it comes to free markets and economics, supply and demand. If you should cross the line a few times, and, and, and the thing is with these sort of things, when, when, again, when humans start to do bad things, like, you know, censoring stuff, for example, it's not just right-wingers that come after. Eventually, they're going to eat themselves at the left. Like, they're going after J.K. Rowling now. And you know, it, So when, when that happens, they, when they actually lose credibility, then there will be people who would actually leave the platform, enough of them, and then free market, it, it will provide a new company. That company doesn't have to be right-wing. Actually, ideally, it shouldn't be right-wing. It shouldn't be. It should no. just be, I'm here to make profit. That's the intention. Here's a new YouTube. And that it will happen. And it's always happened. And people will say, well, how would you know it, is, it will happen? It's always happened with every industry, whether it's food, whether it's clothes, whether it's transport, planes. That was supposed to be a monopoly, but not anymore. Um, people always, again, like taxis and Uber now, and then they've got new Uber websites and apps. Um, society will always provide. They'll all right, man. Well, it's reassuring when we get banned, all the three of us get banned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody will come along and provide. Uh, my, Maybe think, it might be a Russian state-funded platform. That'd be great, wouldn't that'd it? Be, I'm sure it would be very very, very, uh, very secure and no information would leak anywhere whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but Maya, thanks for coming on. We've got one more question before we let you go. Which is, what's the one thing we're not talking about as a society, but we really should be? Uh, this is a difficult one because... Uh, well, what I would usually say is the sort of things I've been ranting throughout the whole video. Um, let's genuinely talk about whether we're talking about politics or uh, behavior or our culture. Let's focus on what is more logical and rational in, in terms of go with intent. Uh, don't go with intention, go with outcome. And I think um, we have to talk about the one thing we have to stop talking about is academia and education. And we have to seriously look into reforming it because we've been talking about uh, how to reform businesses, you know, these platforms and brands mm. and politicians, governments. But not many people are actually talking about education. They're, we're talking about how, oh, yeah, they're left wing, obviously. But we have no solution because, as I said, for example, I don't like to use the words right wingers, but the anti left don't become teachers, don't get into the education system. And, and then we wonder why each generation is becoming more biased than weird. And avocado eating, Islington living. <laughs> so that's the problem we have. And I think we should really look into um, academia in the West. You're, you're right about that. Uh, and we get so many messages, both Francis and I, from teachers or people in the, in the education system who say, well, look, I, I, I'm, I'm not right wing, but I'm, I'm not super woke left wing. And I, I feel like a pariah in the, in, in the staff room. Yeah. Uh, people won't talk to me. I, I, I fear speaking my mind because I've seen what happens to other people who do. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of people who watch the show who, who message us and say literally that, you know, and uh, I think that's an issue. I think yeah. that's an issue that needs to be addressed. Maya, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people follow your work and check out the stuff that you do? Yeah, so uh, youtube.com slash Maya Tuesday. Well, just, basically, my name is difficult to spell, but it's just my full name, M-A-H-Y-R-T-O-U-S-I. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully you'll join and subscribe and 
get free t-shirts. No, it's not free. You have to pay for it. Get t-shirts. <laughs> He's right wing. It's not going to be free, is it? Let's be honest. Uh, but Maya, thanks for coming on. Thank and you. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you very soon with another episode or a live stream. Make sure you tune in. We have a live stream on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, as well as the two interviews that we put out on Wednesdays and Sundays. Absolutely. And all our episodes and all our live streams go out at 7 p.m. UK time. 7 p.m. UK time. We'll see you there. Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.